Leviticus chapter 13. Important portion of scripture here. It's smack dab in the middle of Leviticus. Again, the theme of Leviticus is holiness and how we need to have holiness. We need to take holiness more serious within our lives. I think if we're honest, each of us, for the most part, we sort of are okay with not being that holy. We're okay with unholy television, unholy songs, unholy movies, and unholy things coming into our homes if we're really honest. But what God has called us to be as Christians, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, is that we would be set apart for the work of God. Some of us, we just think of it as I'm being set apart from fun, I'm being set apart from this thing, or I'm being set apart from this freedom, and I'm sad about that. But what we need to be focused on is, Lord, I am being set apart for your special work. And that's anyone on a special mission, right? I always uh, think of, don't watch too much basketball anymore, but a couple of seasons ago, they made it a huge deal when certain NBA players, they had no social media, no internet access for the playoff run and for the championship run. And if you want to do anything great in life, you have to sort of cut off and deprive yourself from certain things and habits. How much more should we as believers having a possession of a relationship with Jesus and with God, how much more should we be willing to deprive ourselves from certain things so that we could be set apart for the work of God instead of being set apart for the work of the enemy? Leviticus 13, 14, and 15 all have to deal with leprosy, sickness, and even chapter 15 puts it as bodily discharges. So it's a fun portion of scripture here. Anybody eat a big meal right before service? Anybody? Hope you don't get too queasy. But we got about 60 verses right on, uh, on leprosy and how to diagnose it truly. And um, yeah, let's just start reading through it. See where we pause, where we come back. And yeah, some guys felt bad. They said, man, I fell asleep last service. Don't worry. No bother to me. At least you could get some rest somewhere. But uh, Leviticus 13, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. Then the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at all spread over the skin, after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. 
So again, the Lord is giving them laws. Last week we looked at ceremonial uncleanness, right? On something that's unclean and how food it was ceremonially unclean. We looked at how now in the new covenant and in Jesus Christ, those things don't necessarily make us unclean anymore. Sin itself is what makes us unclean. We'll look at in the future how sin, it comes from within. Lust, desire comes from within. And when we act on it, it gives birth to sin. And leprosy, the way we should be viewing this for our purposes, it's a type of sin. And we're going to see here how seriously we should be taking sin. Because we see how serious God was taking leprosy within these Hebrew people. And who was the first person they were to come to if they thought that they had a leprous sore? Who's the first person we should go to if we think we have any type of sin dealing within us? It's the great high priest. The great high priest and our great physician. The moment we believe we might be in sin, we should turn to Christ. We should bring light into the situation. And oftentimes it gets worse and worse and worse and worse because the Lord is the last person we bring into the situation. We go online, we talk to friends, we talk to family members, we try to hide it, we try to set it up, and it's not until everything blows up in our face that we finally say, you know what, Lord, maybe I should have come to you. When that's the very first place we should go. Practically, how, what else should we do? When we deal with even physical sicknesses and physical ailments, the first person we should go to is our great high priest, who's also the great physician. If we're dealing with sicknesses in our body, the first person we should cry out to is the Lord. We should cry out to Jesus for wisdom and discernment and asking him what's going on. And there's several reasons for this. We don't have time to go there, but even in James, it doesn't tell us that every sickness is because of sin. But it does say that there are certain sicknesses that are because of sin. That we're in sin and now the Lord has, in a sense, as a shepherd would break the legs of a lamb to keep him on him and to keep him close to him. There are certain, the big old word there, certain sicknesses that are because the Lord is trying to bring attention to us. The Lord's trying to get our attention. There's a couple of brothers here, I love them dearly, and they said, man, I got to tell the Lord to stop getting my attention by putting me in a hospital bed for weeks at a time. I got to find an easier way to allow the Lord to have my attention. That's the first reason. What's another reason? Some of us, not all of us. We need to bring it to the Lord to stop us and protect us from stress and from freaking out. There's some of us here, right? You have one cough, you have one headache, and you go straight to WebMD. Oh my goodness, I have a brain tumor. I'm going to die, right? You start freaking out, all the stress, all the anxiety, and you start going crazy. The very first person we should bring every sickness to, we should bring it to the Lord. We should cast our cares upon him knowing that he cares for us. What's another reason to bring it first and foremost to our great high priest, the great physician? Because some of us were on the other end of that pendulum, right? It can protect us from taking something too lightly. There's some of us here, right? Some of the tough guys here, your arm is bleeding and falling off and ah, some duct table do, right? It's good to come to the Lord so that you have, you're dwelling with your wife with understanding, right? And sometimes she says, you got to go to the hospital for that and you're struggling, but to cry out to the Lord, to get wisdom and discernment from the Lord. Some of us, we have great health care, right? Some of us, we don't. We need to come to the Lord. What this is not saying is that we should only go to the Lord for our sicknesses. 
God has given us modern medicine, and that can help us with a lot of sicknesses and ailments. God has also still in the business of doing miracles, and we should give room to the Lord to do that. When we come to Him with our sicknesses, we're showing that He truly is the Lord and the Savior of our lives. Not just our spiritual lives, but also our physical lives. We're going to see this phrase about 15 times throughout this chapter. The priest shall examine, the priest shall examine, the priest shall examine. And this is just a great reminder of what it means to serve the Lord. There are certain aspects of ministry that sort of look beautiful. They look amazing, right? You see someone doing a a wedding ceremony, uh, baby dedications, one of my favorites, right? Doing water baptisms, one of my favorites. And that's, yeah, beautiful parts of ministry. But there are some ugly parts of ministry too, And here, the high priest, not only would they lead the people in worship, not only would they offer the sacrifices, but it was, hey, you're on leprosy duty today, right? What do you mean? Yeah, man, you're on leprosy duty today. You got to be looking at the white spot, the red spot, did the hair turn white, did it turn black? And there are things in ministry that are not so glamorous, but it's all needed. Are we really willing to say, Lord, use me for whatever you want, even if I'm on leprosy duty today, right? Lord, use me however you see fit. And oftentimes the Lord will take us through the low spots to continue to give us a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more responsibility. That's just the natural way how God does things. Right? We talked about a bad case of diatrophies on Sunday, right? Someone that just wants preeminence, someone that just wants to be the leader. And there's certain things they don't want to do. I was talking uh, with a brother this weekend. He made me remember how I first started working at the church and serving at the church. And I first started janitorial duties, cleaning the bathrooms, vacuuming, sweeping, mopping, all that stuff. And at 67th property, we only had two bathrooms. That's all we had. One women's bathroom, one men's bathroom, no AC. They had the little slats. So not only would you get a breeze, but you'd hear the noises going in and out of there, right? (laughs) Different things like that. And there's just some things in serving the Lord that it's not glamorous, Sometimes things will get stuck in the toilet that you're like, how did this happen? How did this come out of someone, right? But it's still necessary. It's necessary for the ministry. It's necessary for the ministry. I was wise. I wouldn't stick my hand in there. We had a a stick randomly in the property. I'm going to use that, break it up, flush it, get it out of here, right? But that's part of the ministry. And oftentimes that's how we start serving the Lord in things that aren't so glamorous. And the Lord checks our heart. God checks our heart. Are there certain things in serving the Lord? They're saying, Lord, I'm way above that. Because here for the priests, not only would they not have their own homes, their own inheritance or anything like that, they were just here to serve the Lord. And oftentimes, hey, you're on leprosy duty today. So again, for us, as we serve the Lord, there are some things that are glamorous and beautiful, but there's a lot of other things that aren't so glamorous and aren't so beautiful. These Hebrew priests... The Harrison commentary says they were the first physicians to appear within the ancient world to isolate people suspected of infectious and contagious diseases. And even here, these three chapters, this is the most exhaustive portion of scripture or even of of ancient writing dealing with a specific sickness. And again, how the Lord, he has so much wisdom. So much wisdom, and this would protect them, David Guzik would say, from illnesses like smallpox or measles that start off with spots all over the skin. 
So you say, hey, if you have a spot, now you, because you're sick, we don't have to go there, right? But because you're sick, now you, you go in quarantine, right? You go stay home for seven days, then you come back after seven days, and we will check on you and see what's happening. And this quarantine helped prevent the spread of these diseases among the people of Israel. God was showing the nation of Israel that they needed to be more concerned with protecting the community and the flock than their own individual rights. That's what the Lord was revealing to them here. But again, the common sense of Scripture, you quarantine those who are sick. We need to be able to bring this back to our lives when it comes to sin. When there's certain areas of sin in our life, or when there's certain friendships that are deeply rooted in sin, how do we react? What do we do? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Here we see another type that Scripture gives us of sin, and it's leaven, right? This leavening agent, you put any amount of it within your dough, and it's going to rise no matter what you do. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 7, it tells us, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So again, the same mindset here. We need to purge out the old leaven. If there's sinful relationships, you should really pray, Lord, should I purge out this relationship? Whenever I'm with this person, I almost always find myself sinning. When I'm with this person, I find my mouth slipping. When I'm with this person, I find myself going back to drinking or drugs or sexual activity or whatever the case may be. Or maybe it's just gossiping. Whenever I'm with this person, it always leads to gossip. Maybe you need to purge out that leaven from your life. And if we care about the Lord, that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, Lord, I love you too much to hold on to this bad relationship and friendship. Because it warns us there that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If we allow that sinful relationship in our lives, then it's going to spread to us. Then it's going to spread to our friends. Then it's going to spread to our church, our family. And it's going to spread through the church and through everyone we love. Galatians 5, verse 9, the same exact idea here. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So again, they would quarantine the sick. If anybody showed any spots, anything strange, anything weird, they would go ahead and quarantine them. Family, what are the sins in our lives that we need to purge out? Maybe who are the people, the relationships, the friendships that we need to purge out? Maybe give it a break for seven days. Be super scriptural if you want, right? Hey, let's take a break for seven days. Whenever I'm with you, I fall back into old habits that that's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, and now the new has come. Another idea here, now looking back to the priests, is we would see how carefully they are going to have to inspect every hair, every bubble, every pop, every concave, every convex. Super careful eye. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. And again, when it comes to our brothers and sisters, Scripture tells us that we should call one another out in love, but it's very important that we have the proper perspective, a clear perspective. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, we'll read the full context, verse 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. 
and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you? And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there is a plank in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Again, we need to be able to love one another and address one another, but making sure that we're truly addressing something that's a sin and to make sure that we're addressing the sins in our own lives, that we're addressing the planks in our eyes so we can go and help our brothers and sisters with the specks in their own eyes. And we need to be careful. Sometimes a brother or sister has a liberty in Christ that we don't have. And all they're doing is exercising liberty in Christ. Something maybe we can't handle, but it's not necessarily a sin. We have to be careful with that. Also that we're not just judging something on the outward, like the little dots and the weird hairs here, but that inwardly it's something different. Right? Sometimes that happens a lot, I don't know, with girls so much. But with the boys, right? With Levi and Luke, sometimes they do things and it's like, what were you thinking, right? You could think they were doing something evil. They did it on purpose. It's so blatant, right? And it's just like, I don't know. I wasn't thinking, right? And so often that's guys, right? I don't know. I wasn't thinking. I was just, what would happen here? And we need to be able to look at the intent of the heart. Lord, reveal to me what's really going on here. Someone's talking like this, but why are they talking like this? Is it because of pride? Is it because of past hurts, previous hurts? Is it because someone else said something and they took it the wrong way? Again, that we'd be filled with the wisdom from on high to first address the planks in our own eyes to then be able to address the specks in our brother and sister's eye. We go back to Leviticus chapter 13, verse 9. We'll read through some more here. It says, When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall examine him, and indeed if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore, from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider... And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. It has all turned white. He is clean. couple things to look at here, right? You have a brother or sister with a leprous sore. What's the first place you should bring them? To the priest. We have a brother or sister dealing with sin. Who's the first person we should bring them to? Our great high priest. Send them to Jesus. That's the first place you need to send them. Not, hey, let's go out and have fun to take your mind off of this. Or, hey, here's this great person to talk to. Hey, here's this YouTube video. Hey, here's this place. Hey, here's this thing. No, we need to encourage one another and bring one another to Jesus when we see the onset of sin in their lives and in our own lives. And we should surround ourselves with friends and family that will bring us to Christ when we're dealing with different sicknesses. When we're dealing with sin, someone that doesn't just tell us it's okay, or hey, I struggle with the same thing too, or this is just who you are. No, we need people that bring us to Christ. Because what we're going to see here in chapter 13, 14, and 15, there's no cure for leprosy given here. There's zero cure. 
There's a million ways to figure out if it's leprosy or not, but there's no cure. There's only one cure for sin, only one way to wash and cover sin, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So we're doing ourselves a disservice if we see friends and family members dealing with sin and struggling with sin, and we're not first and foremost taking them to Jesus. If you're taking them to the culture around today or even psychiatrists and stuff like that today, first and foremost, without Christ, you're doing your brothers and sisters a disservice. We see two different types of leprosy here. Real quick, back to the actual leprosy instead of sin, right? If they have this open, raw flesh, right, then they know that they're unclean. You got to send them straight out of the city, right? That's what we're going to see at the end in verse 45. However, if they have white from head to toe, then they're pronounced clean. Some scholars believe that this is Naaman. He had this same type of leprosy because he was still amongst people, but he asked to be cleaned. The prophet Elijah sent them right to go into the Jordan River, dunk himself seven times, and that was just a test of his pride. Why don't we want to come to Jesus? Why don't we want to come to a brother or sister when we're dealing with sin? Pride. Just a whole lot of pride. I could do with this on my own. We could just deal with this inside the family. We could just do with this. No. Got to bring Jesus into the equation. Got to bring spiritual leaders into the equation. Verse 14, it says, But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore, he is clean. If the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish white, then it shall be shown to the priest. I was thinking before this, you know how some pastors teach with like PowerPoints and presentations and pictures? It would be a great chapter to do it, right? Verse 20, and when the priest sees it, it it indeed appears deeper than the skin, and its hair has turned white. The priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore which has broken out of the boil. Do we know what a boil is? Anybody not know what a boil is? You'll be honest. Everybody knows what a boil is? Okay, a couple of people are honest, right? You know what a pimple or a zit is? I just multiply that, sounds like 100, right? It's just a giant golf ball size pimple or zit. There's weird social media accounts and TV shows that people watch for this kind of stuff. We'll pray for you after service, right? <laughs> but what's the whole deal here? It's dangerous if it goes deeper than the skin. Again, family, our sin goes deeper than our skin. What we just see on the outward, when someone gives us a cutting remark, when someone gives us a sarcastic comment, there's something deeper going on. There's something deeper going. That's always how it goes, right? There's something going on on the outside, and that's just showing what's truly going on in the inside. Just simply symptoms to our true problem, our true problem is sin. Verse 21, but if the priest examines it and indeed there are no white hairs in it and it's not deeper than the skin but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread, it is the scar of a boil, just a scab, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Verse 24, or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white, 
or white, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprosy, which has broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it has at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore, but if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread on the skin, but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn. The priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar from the burn. Again, the Lord gives so much detail here to make sure that they don't misdiagnose someone. No, man, that's just a burn. That's just a scab from a pimple that they popped. It's, it's not leprosy. And again, how we need that wisdom, that discernment when we're dealing with one another. Verse 29 is a bit interesting. It says, if a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard. All right? A little strange here. A little odd here. Pobrecita, right? If it wasn't bad enough, now she has a sore on the beard. I was listening to Joe Foley. He says, this one, leprosy breaks out at the carnival. This is uh, what happened to you, right? <laughs> then the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin and there's any thin yellow hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. But if the priest examines the scaly sore and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin and there's no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore and indeed if the scale has not spread and there's no yellow hair in it and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, he shall shave himself but the scale he shall not shave, and the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. So again, if they had this problem, right, poor girl, she has a, something on her head, right, they'd shave everything except that spot, isolate them for seven days, and then see if that spot has spread or not, right? I don't know if you ever had to deal with a child that gets a cut in their head, you're trying to sort through the hair, see how big is this cut or not, right? That's sort of what the Lord is doing here, so that the priest can realize, okay, is this... What is this? What's truly going on here? Verse 34, on the seventh day the priest shall examine the scale. And indeed if the scale has not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And indeed if the scale has spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there's black hair grown up in it. The scale has healed. He is clean. And the priest shall pronounce him clean. If a man or woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, specifically white bright spots, then the priest shall look. And indeed, if the bright spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is a white spot that grows on the skin. He is clean. Right? For some of us, as we get older, we get those white spots on our hands, right? On our skin. He's telling the priest, don't freak out. They're just getting older. It's no big deal, right? They're clean. Verse 40, same sort of idea here. As for the man whose hair has fallen from his head, he's bald, but he's clean, right? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He's bald. He's not going to spread it in the camp. It's okay. He's still clean. He's not going to spread his baldness to you. It's not just baldness. Verse 41, he whose hair has fallen from his forehead, he is bald on the forehead, but he's clean. He's got a receding hairline. He's got a receding hairline. Pobrecito. But he's still clean. He's not going to spread it to you. Verse 42, 
And if there is on the bald head or on the bald forehead a reddish white sore, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead as the appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore is on his head. Again, we've seen this over and over and over again. The priest shall examine him. The priest shall examine him. The priest shall examine him. And this was a serious diagnosis. This would completely change a person's life. It would completely change it. There's a couple ways how leprosy is seen as sin. Leprosy, it starts in the blood. It starts off in the blood. Again, it's something we see it on the outside at a specific point. But the problem is already going on inside. Where does sin start for us? The moment we've been born. It's been transferred from Adam to us. Sin, it's already in our blood. That's why the only way to be right with God is to become a new creation. The only way we can become a new creation is if we enter into Christ and he makes us, he cleanses us a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Second way, Schofield, he says that leprosy is like sin because it becomes overt in loathsome ways. Sin as it grows becomes more and more disgusting. Sin as it grows, it becomes more and more inhumane. They would call these people the walking dead. Because leprosy would start off, you wouldn't know that you had it. And maybe you stubbed your toe, right? You're wearing sandals. You stubbed your toe. You broke your toe. You can't feel it. You can't feel what's going on. And then over time, you'll burn extremities and things would start falling off. Their noses would start falling off. Their ears would start falling off. Uh, And one of the teachings I was listening to, they were talking about leopard colony that was coming at them. And they were just gurgling because they didn't have a tongue or gums or eyes or ears anymore begging for money. And sin, it starts off as something so small. Something so insignificant, right? You think of David. It started off with not going out to war when he should have gone out to war. Then it led to him going on the rooftop looking around. Then he took a second look at Bathsheba. Then he asked for Bathsheba. And then how it just spirals out of control until you have a man who's killing one of his own soldiers. One of the own men that has fought with him in war. Not only is he doing that, but he's also taking the granddaughter of Ahithophel, one of the men that served in his cabinet. So you have something that starts off so small and how it grows and it becomes just gross and disgusting. Family, that's why we need to deal with sin on the onset within our own lives, within the people in our sphere of influence, the people who are under us. We need to deal with this sin. Finally, Schofield says it's incurable by human means. We've talked about this. The only cure for sin is coming to Christ Jesus. Saying, Lord, what you say and what your word says is true. Lord, Lord, by faith, I'm coming to you. I'm asking for your grace that you would cleanse me and wash me. David Guzik, again, same thing, how it's just like sin. It begins as nothing. Just a little spot. A little white hair, right? A little yellow hair from my baldness, right? No, no big deal. And it gets worse and worse and worse. David Guzik, he's the second thing, he says, it's painless in its first stages. It's painless, right? God's word tells us that sin, it's enjoyable for a season. 
I love the Bible because it's not lying to us. It's not telling us that drugs are not enjoyable at the onset, that sex isn't enjoyable on the onset, that gossip isn't enjoyable on the onset. No, God's word is clear. It's enjoyable, but for a brief moment. It's sweet in the mouth, and then it's like gravel in your stomach. That's how sin is, and it starts off as painless. Sometimes we even question if we're in sin because it seems like God is still blessing us. Everything is still okay, so maybe God's okay with us. It starts off painless. The next thing is it grows slowly, right? That addiction, you go zero to 60, no, it starts off so small. Only when I'm stressed out, only a cup at night when I need to calm down or cool down. No, 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 I'm just seeing her alone every once in a while. It grows slowly. It often remits for a while, and then it returns in an even harder reality, how oftentimes we're struggling with the sin and something bad happens and then we come and we start fixing certain things and we think we've addressed the problem. But unless we've addressed truly what's in the inside, unless we've addressed our heart and brought that to the Lord, it comes back and then it comes back with a vengeance. Again, we need to be careful with our sins that we're truly dealing with them as God has told us to deal with them. Cut it off. Kill it, get rid of it, because if not, it's going to come back, and it's going to come back with a vengeance. The next way leprosy is like sin, it numbs the senses. It numbs the senses. Again, they couldn't feel the pain on certain parts of their bodies, right? Broken toes, broken fingers. This culture, this time period, rats or mice, right? Biting on you, nibbling on you while you're sleeping. Different things like this, they couldn't feel it. And sin, it dumbs us down. Just as the Holy Spirit almost gives us a sixth sense, how the Holy Spirit gives us new senses when we talk with people, when we minister to people, when we enter into a room. Some of the police officers here, they say they enter into certain houses and they can almost sense the oppression there. And the more we're plugged into the Holy Spirit, the sharper and sharper and sharper our senses will become. But it's the exact opposite of that when we're in sin. We get duller and duller and duller and dumber and dumber and dumber down to the sin where now these great acts of sin don't seem that big to us, right? We look at our nation today and we look at the point where we're at. Now at the point we don't know what gender is, right? A couple years back, what was it? It was we didn't know what marriage was. Before, what was that? We, didn't, we weren't sure what true marriage was, right? And sex and being able to get divorced and promiscuous. This has all started in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. It numbs down the senses. I could not imagine talking to my granddad about what's going on today. I could never imagine that. He wouldn't be able to fathom it. What do you mean that now there's gender-neutral bathrooms? What do you mean that now they're letting guys going into the girls' bathroom? What do you mean? What are you talking about? That there is, I don't even know how many number of genders they say that there are, right? What do you mean? It numbs our senses. And now we're doing things that we would have never thought we'd ever do before because it has dumbed us down. Another way that leprosy is like sin, one cannot feel it in the afflicted area, right? We're blinded to our own sin. That's why it's so important to have friends, family, the Word of God first and foremost to act like that mirror to reveal to us the intents of the heart, right? How Hebrews tells us the word of God, it's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can cut the bone and marrow and it can show you and reveal to you the intents of your heart. Why am I doing this? Why am I making this decision? Is it really because of this or is it because I want more of X, Y, or Z? 
Next way, it's leprosy is like sin. It causes decay and deformity. Again, just as they would lose limbs, they would lose body parts, they'd have to wrap themselves over. Sin, it causes decay. It deforms our lives. It destroys our lives. And we look at some people we love so dearly, and they went on a prodigal lifestyle, prodigal way of living, and they come back and you say, man, are you the same person? You've aged like 20 years and two years. What's gone on? And this is what sin does to us. It decays us. In Psalm 51, David would talk about his insides feeling like they were decaying. They are falling apart because that's what sin does to us. Finally, how is leprosy like sin? It gives a person a repulsive appearance. Sin, in the end, gives a person a repulsive appearance. You speak to someone that has had a broken home. You speak to a husband or wife that has been cheated on. You speak to a son or daughter that their dad or mom left the home. It gives a repulsive, a disgust towards that person. And again, this is completely incurable except for the Lord. The Lord can renew us. The Lord can heal us. We don't have time to go there tonight. But again, Jesus was the only one that ever healed a leper. The whole next chapter is what type of sacrifice do you make when someone's healed of leprosy? And from the time of Moses until the time of Caiaphas, they had never offered this type of offering. And then Jesus gets there on the scene and he's able to heal them. He's able to cleanse them. A couple of scriptures. Let's turn to James chapter 1, right? Leprosy, like sin, it starts off as something so small, so insignificant. It's inside. You can't even see it. James chapter 1. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brethren every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning again where does sin start off within our own hearts deep inside us there's different desires that sort of pop up And then the way we act on those desires, it can lead to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Again, the leprosy would start on the inside. It would start off as a small freckle, a small dot. And as it grows, as it conceives, it leads to death. we got to address the mind so often. The inner heart, Lord, create in me a clean heart, a new heart, Lord. I have nothing clean. I have nothing good to bring to you, Lord. You need to do this. This is important for us as parents as well. Oftentimes when my kids get in trouble in class, I know no other parent does this, right? The kid gets in trouble in class and you say, who else was there, right? Who else was there? It couldn't have been my kid all by themselves, right? Who else was there that led them to do X, Y, or Z, right? Who else was there that spurred them on to commit this sin and speak out not on their turn in the teachers, right? We have to be reminded our sons and daughters deep inside of them, they have these lusts. They have these desires, And when it grows, it's sin. Our kids are little sinners. Why? Because their parents are bigger sinners, right? 
And we have to be careful. Oftentimes, no, not them. It's not that bad. It's not this big. No, I three, right? Man, deep inside, they're sinners. They need Christ. They need to have those sins washed and cleansed. They need a new heart, just like their daddy needed a new heart. You got to pray for that. Romans 6, 23, it tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Finally, 1 John 1, 1, 9. Again, the scripture is coming up so often. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The only way we can be cleansed from our unrighteousness, the only way we can be cleansed from some of those bad thoughts, those bad memories, those bad images, right? Those songs that play and we're transported back in time to a specific place, specific smell that reminds us of a specific habit. The only way we ever have a chance at being cleansed of that is coming to Christ and confessing those sins to him. Knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who was the only one to ever cleanse a leper? It was Jesus Christ. Who's the only one that can ever cleanse us from our sins, from all unrighteousness? It's Jesus Christ. Back to Leviticus 13. Verse 45 and 46, we see how this leprosy, this diagnosis would completely change the life of this son or daughter, the life of this human being. Verse 45 and 46, it says, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Again, this leprosy would cost them everything. Never see their sons or daughters anymore. Never see their mom or dad ever again. It would not only separate them from their own families, it would separate them from their jobs. And then later on we'll see it would separate them from being able to come to the tabernacle and to sacrifice and to have fellowship with God. And family, the same is true with sin. Sin will cost us everything. Sin will cost us everything. It will completely destroy us. It will separate us from our families. It will destroy us in our workplaces. It will block us from being able to come to the Lord and it will block our fellowship and relationship with him. We see here they were in a constant state of mourning. They would tear their clothes. They would be covered, right, their faces. And they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Anytime they would be walking around a public area. They'd be in a constant state of mourning and they'd be in a constant state of isolation. They would no longer be able to be around the people that they love. And I don't know if you've ever been in that lukewarm state of life. You're just in constant isolation, you come to church and you feel unclean, right? You say, man, I can't believe I'm living this double life out there. Why am I here? And, and you just feel isolated. Man, I come in, but no one really wants to talk to me, and I got all this stuff going on. Do they know? Who knows? You just feel isolated. Then you go out into the world, and you say, man, I, I'm not like these people. I, I'm not believing in the same things. I don't see things the same way they do. And you're in a constant state of isolation. Again, man, we come to the Lord. May we come to Jesus. Uh, David Guzik, he makes some points here. Jewish custom said that you should not even greet a leper. Don't even say hi to them. 
You have to stay six feet away from them. One rabbi bragged that he would not even buy an egg on the street on where he saw a leper. Another boasted that he would throw rocks at lepers to keep them far away from him. Rabbis would not even allow lepers to wash their faces. But thank God for Jesus, right? How different he is, how he treats sinners. Sometimes we're those rabbis, right? We see people in sin and we'll throw rocks at them. We won't shop at the same Publix as them. We won't talk to them. We won't greet them because we see our same sin on them. But thank the Lord that Jesus, he would come and he touched the lepers, he loved the lepers, and he healed them when they had no hope. How gracious our Lord is to sinners and how gracious we need to be as two sinners as well. Finally, verse 47. Also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it's a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it's in the wrap of a wolf of linen or wool, whether in leather or in anything made of leather, and if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the wrap or in the wolf or in anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and it shall be shown to the priest. The priest shall examine the plague and isolate that which has the plague seven days. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. In the plague has spread in the garment. If the plague has spread in the garment, either in the wrap or in the wolf or in the leather or in anything made of leather, the plague is an act of leprosy and it is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment in which is the plague, whether warp or wolf or linen or wool. Anything of leather, for it is an act of leprosy. The garment shall be burned with fire. Just again, family, what are some of the leftovers, some of the remnants of sin that we've sort of brought into our lives? What are some of the things from our past life that perhaps we need to burn that thing with fire? Because it's still got some reddish stuff on it, right? Still got some greenish leprosy on it. And we don't want that in the house. Oftentimes we leave a... In case of desiring to sin, break glass in our homes, right? We leave some certain way that if we ever want to truly get that craving back of our sin, we leave a way open. Burn the ships. Don't leave any root there. Delete the phone numbers. Block the apps. Get an old phone. Cut off the person. Cut off the whatever it is. Don't leave any way that you can go back to those old habits. Make that as difficult as possible. Verse 53, but if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the wrap or in the wolf or in anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing which is in the plague, and he shall isolate it another seven days. Again, how do we wash ourselves? How do we cleanse ourselves spiritually? By taking in God's word. By taking in more and more and more of God's word. There's nothing that can replace our own personal relationship and devotion to Jesus. There's nothing that can replace that. We've been talking about that with the young adults. Listening to motivational messages on YouTube or online, that's not going to replace it. Listening to teachings, that's good, that's important, but that's not going to replace it. Finding theology on social media, that's definitely not going to replace it, right? The only thing that can truly cleanse us and wash us is by taking in God's word. The priest would command them, hey, you need to wash that thing. And then they would wash it and then they'd isolate it for seven days. Then the priest shall examine the plague after it's been washed. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color, though the plague has not spread, it is unclean and you shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away whether the damage is outside or inside. 
If the priest examines it and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the wolf or out of the leather. But if it appears again in the garment, whether in the wrap or in the wolf or in anything made of leather, it is a spreading plague. You shall burn it with fire that is in, that in which is the plague. And if you wash the garment, you guys can say it, right? But in the wrap or the wolf or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time. And it shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in the garment of wool or linen, whether in the wrap or in the wolf or in anything made of leather, to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. Again, here, this could be leprosy, but leprosy is probably one big word that was attached to many different things, many different sicknesses. But here, it could be attached to a mold or to a fungus. Some of us, we've gone through that terrible season where we got black mold in our homes, right? Got to tear everything down. They come with bleach. They clean it all. Then you got to wait to see if it keeps spreading or not. Thank God we don't burn our houses down if there's any mold or fungus in it, right? But here, this is how serious God would take sin. How he wanted to protect his people from sin spreading in the camp. Again, family, what did the Lord sort of prick at your heart, right? Are there certain friendships? Are there certain habits, certain freedoms in the Lord? Are there certain rags you have hiding in your home so that you can get back to and go to? What is it? Right? Is it asking the Lord, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, speak to me so that I can see really what's going on inside of my kids. Lord, I see these different things. But Lord, I just don't want to attack a symptom. Lord, reveal to me truly what's going on in the heart. Maybe you're here and, man, you're about to get saved after a teaching on Leviticus 13, right? And you're saying, I want the Lord, I need the Lord to create in me a new heart. I know who I am. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm destined for hell. And the only way for heaven is to have that new heart, to take that heart of stone and thorns and for God to take that out of us. And then he gives us a heart of flesh, a heart that's open to the spirit, a heart that's open to his voice. Right? His sheep, he says, know his voice. 